Hello, Terry. Hello, Bridget. This is a special edition of the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Terry and Bridget. It is news to no one that we are living through one of the strangest times in our lives. The COVID-19 pandemic threatens us from every direction, including physically, mentally, financially, and socially. Mm-hmm. Today we begin a new season entirely devoted to protecting and managing our mental health while we all deal with an invisible, unfamiliar, and unpredictable threat, which is disruptive and scary for everyone and can be especially difficult for those of us with mental health challenges. We'll be talking with experts and linking to reliable, helpful information from trusted sources. Our first episode is a conversation with Paul Gianfrido, president and CEO of Mental Health America. We're starting with him because NHA is doing a fabulous job of staying on top of the research and resources, and they are carefully curating and regularly updating those that they determine to be most helpful and credible. The links we'll share with this episode are ones to bookmark so that you can access them regularly. Hello. Is this Paul? Yes, it is. Paul, this is Terry. Hello and nice to meet you. Same. Thank you for pursuing this. Thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it because these are wild times and we need all the help we can get, right? They sure are. So let's start with the fact that this is a threat to our mental health as well as our physical health. Well, a lot of people uh, think that the impact of the pandemic is only on our physical health. But what happens is that everybody is of course, worried about the pandemic. And that's also very natural. And for most people, that worry will pass. But for some people, that worry will transform to anxiety. And severe clinical anxiety is a significant problem. So just as people uh, who are at risk physically or compromised physically uh, have to be more concerned about the acquiring the virus, and we have to be concerned for them, that we protect them from it, so too are people whose mental health is already compromised are to be more, they are to be more susceptible to the mental health effects. And we need to take that into account and take the same kinds of protective measures for them. And what are some of those protective measures for both ourselves and the people we care about? Yeah, the first thing I think we all need to do is to take care of ourselves. And we're, we're really the front line here. So just as we're trying to take care of our our physical health, those of us who may be at risk need to be aware when we're dwelling on our worry and when our worry is beginning to overwhelm us. And it's relatively easy to take an online free mental health screen and understand whether or not the anxiety is deepening. In the same way we're checking on each other to make sure we're okay, Paul suggests reaching out to your friends and family members who you know have mental health concerns. Because the biggest issue here, he says, is the isolation we're facing. When we face that isolation, when we turn in on our worries, that's when things can get worse without an opportunity for them to get better. So the more we just check in on people and the more we take advantage of technology to reduce isolation, that really can be helpful. And that's really the kinds of things we all need to be doing for all of our friends, uh, whether or not they have a pre-existing mental health condition. Are you noticing a change in the way people are responding to a check-in and how are you? 
I think it, it's more acceptable mm-hmm. for people to expect that they're going to get a how are you call um, from a friend. And I think that's really important. And, and what I try to tell people is if you typically check in by text, do it by phone. If you typically do it by phone, do it by video phone, because mm-hmm. it's important that people hear the voice that they can and see the face that they can, because in the absence of being able to connect directly and touch the people who care about us, we can still be touched by seeing them and hearing them and knowing that they care about us. Is it possible to both accurately inform people about this situation and comfort them? Or are those two things in conflict right now? I don't think we have much choice but to try to do both at once. We've got to be accurate in the information that we provide and the information that we get so that we can take proper protective measures for ourselves. But we also have to be optimistic and hopeful about the future at the same time and recognize that what we're going through is a very difficult time. And the more we can look forward and think about those things and make plans for those things that will take us out of this particular time, uh, it's a way to balance protecting ourselves in the present and taking care of ourselves for a, for a better future. In a way, it's almost the opposite of what we normally do for anxiety, where we tell people to try to live more in the present, worry less about the future. In this instance, we sort of turn that paradigm on its head and say, we know you're worrying in the present, so think more about the, the positive aspects the future will bring. So the information out there, there's a lot of it. Some is accurate, some is not. And all can really contribute to big feelings that can worsen conditions like anxiety, depression, and OCD. And that's the reason we first reached out to you. The resources that Mental Health America has online are really comprehensive and will save us a lot of time from having to search around the web for information, where I find it really easy to go down the rabbit hole and see stuff that makes it even worse. What's important right now is to be able to find organizations that you've trusted in the past. We, We think a lot of people have trusted the mental health information that we put out. And we try, in terms of original content, to stick to what we know, the mental health information. Mm -hmm. Other organizations, even governmental organizations, like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or the American Public Health Association on the private side, are really smart about pandemics and about the, the public health approaches to these and why we're doing what it is that we're doing. And we can rely on them as well. And I'm grateful for that because I don't know some of the sources, including Shine, with whom you collaborated. So I'm really, as I say, grateful, and I suspect others will be, that I don't have to wonder if this is accurate because you've already screened it for me, you being MHA. Yeah, and as a result, we're stitching together a network of reliable uh, sources of information and also reliable sources of support for people because we know people are looking for information but they're also looking for uh, supports that they can make use of while they're alone in their homes and, uh, and also supports that will be available to them when they do have to venture out or venture beyond the either virtual walls of their home or actual walls of their home. Mm-hmm. A really cool thing on the MHA site are free screening tools for depression and anxiety. Not like those magazine tests that just say, yeah, you probably have it, but ones that, based on your answers, suggest customized resources to help you. Tell us about those. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I, I'm really trying to recommend to people that the easiest way to monitor your worry is to take the anxiety screen. It's the same screen that clinicians would use. It's only seven questions. The depression screen's only nine questions. They're really easy, free, anonymous tools to use. And for every person who takes a, a mental health screen on our website, they get a customized result based on the screening that they took and the severity of the result that they get. So somebody who is at severe anxiety is going to get a set of customized resources that are going to find useful because basically people who have taken that screen before them have found these particular resources and the answers to these particular questions to be most useful to them. It will bring people to additional resources that will also be useful and helpful to them. So it's sort of a one-stop shopping opportunity for people uh, that, that customizes results um, based on your needs at the time you take that screen and the result that you get. So you even may get different results a week apart, which means you'll get different uh, resources recommended to you a week apart. So people can screen early. They can screen often. And every time they screen, they're going to find something useful in the results. And I suspect that for some people, as this goes on, the anxiety will raise. And I suspect for others, as they settle into this, I hate to call it new normal, but it feels that way right now, um, that, that they may actually see it coming down, which could be very comforting. That's right. I know. That's, that's the thing that it's just like they're telling us on the physical health side. If you get through the first three or four days, uh, if you have the virus, then you may still have it for a couple of weeks, but you're going to start feeling better, you know, each day and nice. you'll know you're feeling better and that'll be reassuring. The same thing can happen here. Your anxiety levels can begin to move down once you're monitoring it, once you're taking control of the things you can take control of, once you're relaxing in the ways and taking comfort in the ways you can take comfort. And that alone would be reassuring to people and can, can be extraordinarily helpful. Another helpful and sometimes critically needed resource is access to mental health professionals. And that's actually becoming a little easier. And literally every day, uh, there is something moving on this front because there's a combination of federal efforts and state efforts uh, that need to be made to relax these rules. But for the most part, people who are listening to this. If they've not yet uh, heard that it is possible to do uh, therapeutic counseling uh, over the telephone, or even if they heard that last week this was not possible when they inquired, it's worth re-inquiring uh, because insurance companies on the private side and uh, Medicaid and Medicare are all being subject to different federal and state rules, but in every instance, the rules are being relaxed uh, to make it more possible for people to get therapeutic services literally from the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. And what about the people who don't have insurance? What, what resource, resources are available to them that can help in this time? Because so many people still are uninsured, it's in, important, I think, for them to you know, start with the free resources that exist. As, as I mentioned, if people take a screen on our website, it doesn't matter whether you're insured or not. A number of the resources that, that you're going to find available to you are resources you can use that may not even be clinical resources. They may be social support services that are available free of charge. So I wouldn't want anybody to resist learning more about their mental health based on the fact that they know going in that they don't have private or public insurance. The better thing to do is take a screen, get some results, and then 
take advantage of the free resources that are available because there are a lot of them available that can be helpful. And Paul reminds that not everything that's helpful requires huge effort or change. Self-care needs to be a personal priority in stressful times like these. You don't have to do things that are draconian in terms of changing your life in order to manage stress. In fact, it's sometimes the opposite of just getting up each day and keeping the same routine for the first hour of the day that you've always had. And that may be you know, getting ready for work and, you know, having your breakfast, even though you know you're not going in. Uh, But throughout the day, just breathing and taking walks, if you can get outside and uh, reading and, and just engaging in the kinds of things that have always brought you comfort, right? And have always helped you to relax. Just do those things and, and do them in normal amounts at the same times you you typically did them and keep control of as much as you can possibly keep control of. A lot of the resources are really directed at helping people do those things. Are you willing to share any of the things you are currently focusing on in a a different way than you were before this happened? I've tried to take some of the advice I've given to other people. I get up each day and have my breakfast and I get ready for work. And instead of going into my office a block away, 300 miles from here, I go into the office that we've created 30 feet from where my, my bedroom is. And, and then I try to work through the workday. And I do what I would, would typically have done on days I was working from home. Um, but I make sure that I remind myself to do the mic stop for lunchtime and take a few minutes off and stop around dinner time and, and make dinner and take a few minutes off. I'm taking walks when we can take walks because there's a beautiful park nearby and people are advised to walk in open spaces where there are not a lot of people. So I'm doing more of that. And like many of us, Paul is also getting a chance to return to some of the things that nourish him that he didn't have time to enjoy with his regular work schedule. A few feet away from where we're doing this conversation is where my accordion sits. Mm. And I've played the accordion for 60 years. And I haven't had a lot of time to play that accordion in the last few years uh, with the amount of work that I have to do. But I've taken several opportunities because it brings me joy to sit and just play that accordion for a half hour or 45 minutes. So that's something I'm doing for myself. Not what everybody needs to do is go learn how to play an accordion. <laughs> um, but, but everybody's got things like that that they've always derive joy from perhaps to their entire life that they now maybe can add to their routine, take a few minutes and just do that for themselves as well. Paul is also doing more of the things that nourish him. Like many, he's living with and highly aware of the situation and also seizing the opportunities this strange time offers. One of the important things we need to do is just to continue to look forward and be hopeful and understand that this is a marathon we're running, not a sprint. And marathons, for those of us who have run them, are never fun. And mm-hmm. we're always in doubt about whether or not we're going to hit the finish line. But when we do, we look back and we understand that we, we live through it and that we're better for it. And this is more like a marathon. We're never going to enjoy this looking back. Um, but I think that what we are learning and what we all will learn in terms of the strength and resiliency that we have as we live through uh, times like this, going to be really important. 
Okay. You willing to play us out on your accordion? <laughs> You'll have to wait for that. Okay. Okay. It was worth it. It was worth the shot. Okay. It was. These are difficult times, so please give yourself permission to reach out for help if you need it. You are not alone. We will be linking to MHA's COVID-19 webpage, as well as those depression and anxiety screens that Paul mentioned. want to remind you that that resource is being updated regularly as things change, so you can count on it. We've got a lot of other really interesting interviews coming up for you in the rest of the season, including a psychologist who is going to talk to us about ways we can protect and manage our mental health, as well as a teacher and father who not only is positive for COVID-19, but also his wife and children are as well. And we did an interview with him just this morning. So tune in every Tuesday and we'll keep uh, bringing you information that we hope is helpful. And as Paul suggested, let's all take a nice Deep belly breath together. Be well. Be well.